Life is a journey designed to help us move forward into the goodness that God has planned for us. But if we feel restrained in a holding pattern or like a place in our life stinks, it's easy to fall into the pit of self-pity or worse, despair, especially when the tent of hopelessness darkening our views. If you are there now, I have good news for you. Although you might not be able to see your way out and your determination might've been knocked out of you as you fell into that place made cold and dark by the shadow, Jesus can climb into that pit with you and lift you up with his mighty power. You don't even have to make the first move. He will. How do I know this? Because of a conversation recorded in John chapter four that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at the well. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome. Welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. I once again am so excited. You know that is hard to believe, I know. But I'm so excited because today we have a very special guest, Kat Armstrong, who is joining us on our journey becoming stronger every day. And we're taking this journey as a uh, preparation for a deep dive into my new book, Stronger Every Day in the future. It's coming. It's coming, I promise. But every time, I I think Kat will probably agree with me, when an author has finished the final edit and it's sent away and you can't make any more edits, you go, oh, I should have added that. (laughs) Why didn't I add that? Did you feel that way? Yes. Oh, (laughs) I'll I'll pull commentaries now and go, don't, I should have included that. Or goodness, this would have been so good in the end notes. But you know, you in God's providence, we we close a chapter and we move forward. We only have sixty thousand, and you know, there was a day when I couldn't even write five. So you know, we're going to both give ourselves a little props that we did finish it. But the the topics that I'm bringing to the table in this preliminary prepping for our our heart pilgrimage are topics that I feel like we need when we're going through any kind of emotional healing, mental healing, spiritual formation. And let me introduce this remarkable young dynamo, Kat Armstrong. She's the co-founder of The Polished Network, also the host of The Polished Podcast. Kat has devoted the past decade of her life to reaching professional women navigating career and exploring faith. The thing is, many working women feel disconnected from local churches where the primary focus of womanhood is marriage and mothering. Searching for answers to faith questions, wrestling with the pressures of work-life balance, this next generation of women want community, connection, and authenticity. Enter Polished. You know, I am so grateful for you, Kat, for the work that you're doing to bridge the gap between this narrow-mindedness, in a sense, 
of what womanhood is in the Christian realm. I have two millennial daughters and a daughter-in-law, and honestly, there are times when they'll watch me and my marriage and my life and they'll go, why are you asking dad permission for that? Like, you can think for yourself. And I've had so many conversations with them that the Christian culture that I was nurtured in so many decades ago was you were to become a wife and a mother. And we're in the 21st century, so it's kind of crazy. So thank you. I'm most grateful for all the many women in the world who need to hear a broader message, because Jesus certainly brought that message to every woman that he met along his mission. So Heartlifters, you know, all these bells and whistles are going off inside of me when I found this beautiful young woman because we share a lot of passions. And she writes about her book, many of us are living in the in-between places, in-between sickness and health, divorce and lasting love, job frustration, and fulfillment. She writes, in my book, I try to bring us face to face with the Samaritan woman from John 4, yay, a woman who found herself living in between the life she thought she would have and the one she ended up with, a woman who had struggled in her relationships and was cast aside, forever misunderstood because of it. A woman who likely asked herself, yeah, lean in here. These might have a few echoes. (laughs) How did I end up here? Mm -hmm. How do I make the most of this messy season? Kat, you write that you want this book to help us all draw closer to Jesus, who is eager to meet us where we are, to make peace with even the most painful parts of our past, and overcome feelings of inadequacy and insecurity, and realize how every step of our journey has a purpose, and then discern the next right step towards that, and at home, church, or in the workplace, and step confidently into your future without having it all together. (laughs) That's Sorry. It's so fun. When we we have it all together, let me know. Like, just give me the secret because I've been trying for so long. Kat, before we dive into our beautiful conversation about your book, The In-Between Place, I wanted to take a moment and define in-between. I love words. I love the words under the words. And I know that you do too, especially as a teacher and a beautiful theologian. So defined in between means between two clear or accepted stages or states and therefore difficult to describe or know exactly. Oh, Kat, talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, the in-between place, I like to jokingly say it's Stuckville. Mm. It's Stuckville. You know, it can be metaphorical. It could be emotional. It can be spiritual. It can be physical. And what I mean by that is it it could be geographical. And that's really how, Janelle, this, this book kind of came together is that I was on a trip to the Holy Land with a small group of women to study women in the Bible. And we, it was Mother's Day. What? 
We could hear bombs going off in Gaza. We had just stopped, stepped off a, an armored bus yeah. to, and we were in modern day Samaria. Like everybody oh said. Oh my gosh, were you? Oh, yes. You just have a moment. Just a moment. Yes. It was modern day Samaria. And, you know, I tell people, yes, of course, it was on my bucket list. Yes, of course, I knew that the geography in the Bible would come alive when my feet were in that dirt where Jesus walked, of course. But standing in modern day Samaria, and then I heard my favorite preacher, Dr. Jackie, Reverend Dr. Jackie Reese. She talked that day about Dinah. Dinah's story happens in, in modern day Samaria. And then our tour guide mentioned, you know, the woman at the well story happened here too. So I am, I mean, the, the wind is blowing through my curls. I'm overlooking this most beautiful place. And I'm realizing, wow, God, so much of your story of redemption from the scriptures happened Mm -hmm. in this place where I'm standing right now. It may look different and they may have built Mm -hmm. upon it, but I'm in this physical in-between place in between Judea and Galilee, two places really important in the scriptures. Metaphorically speaking, you know, Janelle, I was in an in-between emotional place. I had just lost my father to his death by suicide. So tragic, so traumatic for my family. And here I was on a trip a year later. I was actually on that day was uh, the day that he had passed a year earlier. So here I am just one year into my grief process of healing and I felt stuck. You know, it's mm-hmm. when you lose somebody, the whole world keeps moving forward, but you feel like you're standing still and you got to, you, you feel like you're behind because everyone's just rushing forward at mock speed doing what they usually do. And you feel like, you know, something really tragic happened. So here I am standing in the in-between place, geographically speaking, in this story in the New Testament. And then physically I'm standing in this place, but emotionally, I feel like I'm in an in-between place. And so I started looking at Dinah's story and the woman at the well story, knowing that they both happened in this in-between place in the scriptures. And it really spoke to me where I was emotionally. And that's how we have the book. Is this where the book was conceived in your mind and your heart? And when you were sitting there, just, this is like, this is, I got to go deeper. I've got to. I mean, I got on the tour bus that day and I had a journal full of notes. And the the thing I wrote at the top of the page was I need to look up every time Samaria is mentioned. Yes. Oh, this is how it starts. This is yes. how it started. This so is, this I, is how I know you're a teacher. <laughs> yes. So you know, I yeah. pull out my Bible concordance. I've got Logos software on my computer. I start pulling all the concordances and just saying, every, I want to know every single time Samaria is listed. I want to plot it. I've got a map over here. I want to see it on the map. I want to see it surrounding. I want to trace when they traveled through, who was there, what were they doing? What did they say? What <sighs> happened? And I found a thread, you know, this beautiful mm. thread. And it happened when the tour guide said, this is where the woman at the well story happened. And Reverend Jackie Jackie Reese said, this is the Dinah story. And what I found is that in the Old Testament, a place called Shechem is retitled Sikar in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. I write a Sikar in my book. I don't mention Shechem, but in your book, you have Shechem. And I was like, okay, this is is so cool. It's amazing. And so when I did, when... People might be listening and go, okay, this episode, I am, I can't watch. I do not care about these places. Oh, you do. Please, my people, you, my heart listens to you. Good. Keep going. And I, but I'm going to want you to go back in a moment and tell us about Dinah just a little wee bit, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of us understand and know the woman Mm -hmm. at the well. Mm -hmm. Her story is profound. 
But yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe if I kind of interrupted and, and I do. Oh, that. this is great. Okay. Janelle, this is great. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about Dinah. Dinah's story is found in Genesis 34. Mm. And what we've got is kind of almost like a royal family. There's no monarchy yet in Israel's history, but these are the most important players, right? So it's yeah. Jacob, it's the patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, and Joseph. So we've got Jacob. And, uh, you know, I want everyone who's listening to take a deep breath and a moment to ready yourself because Mm. she suffered some trauma that Um, maybe many of the women listening or men listening have suffered. But in Dinah's story, she is raped by Mm. a man named Shechem in a city called Shechem. His name at the rapist is Shechem. Now Shechem's dad was the landlord. He owned the land and he had sold it to Jacob. And Jacob's daughter, um, Dinah, is the one who's raped. And, you know, it's so, she just goes out into the city mm. to see her friends. He spots her. He rapes her. Then he becomes <sighs> infatuated with her. Mm-hmm. Then his brothers are so mad. And, and Jacob is silent about her trauma. <sighs> and then we never hear Dinah's voice. No, She is silent in the scripture. So we never hear from her perspective. We never see that Jacob does what he does for Joseph three chapters later. Jacob rips off his clothes thinking Joseph might be dead. But when Dinah is raped and dishonor comes upon the family, we don't see him respond that way. And unfortunately, I think, you know, thousands of years later, women know what this kind of oppression Uh, The the forms of violence that take place towards us and that people don't stand up for victims and they don't have conversations with us about hard things, but this is Dinah's story. So let's just take just a, a, let's honestly just absolutely take a deep breath right now, just in case, Mm. just in case there, there are beautiful heart lifters out there listening, Mm. but perhaps this is your story. Mm. I feel, we feel your pain. Bear with us and stay with us. We're, we're, we're going to be tender mm-hmm. and offer you healing today. So let's just take a deep breath. Stay, stay here with us. If this perhaps is your story and, and this might be triggering you, it, but stay, stay here, stay right here. Mm-hmm. We're just going to take a deep breath with you. Okay. You are safe my sweet friend. Okay. Thank you for that. Kat, tell us more. Dinah's story ends tragically. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem to have redemption. And the good news that you just mentioned is that redemption's coming. And I'm going to get yeah. to that. Yeah. But in this particular chapter, the place Shechem, the person Shechem become embroiled in tragedy and abuse and, uh, a woman victim who wasn't taken care of. She wasn't protected. She wasn't allowed to use her voice. She wasn't allowed to use her voice. And she becomes almost like a political pawn. You know, Mm -hmm. it could be that Jacob, her dad didn't want to upset the power structures in the city um, because he was, you know, (laughs) indebted to the landowner in some ways. I don't know. We don't know, but there's almost, there, there is a massacre at the end, you know, the mm-hmm. brothers get mad and yeah. there's a war and everybody dies. And, you know, the lots story of division, can, lots of oppression and division. Yeah. And Lying. it gets worse. And it gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> it gets worse. And so what I want people to see is that 
a lot of bad things happened in this place called Shechem. It's renamed Sychar in the New Testament. And then the next time we really see it show up is in John chapter four, when Jesus intentionally goes to the woman at the well. And what's fascinating about that is that in the woman at the well story, it's the longest recorded conversation in the New Testament. I learned so much from you about, from reading your book. I did. I learned, I learned this connection about Dinah. I mean, I just love the word of God is never going to, we're always going to keep learning. Yes. Yes. So I would, I would go so far as to say, I wonder if Jesus knew Mm -hmm. that his presence in Sikar that day would add redemption and voice that Dinah never got. Almost as his presence was unleashing redemption in a place. Oh my gosh. All the women of that city would have known how Dinah was treated. Mm -hmm. They would have. They knew the history for sure. They knew the history. Mm -hmm. And here comes the Messiah, the savior of the world to to give a woman voice. And they have this long conversation. He entrusts (laughs) her with truth. She's the first evangelist in the scriptures. So not only is she given voice and entrusted with truth, she uses it well. And so I think Jesus is so tender Mm -hmm. to our history, Mm. to our faith history. I think he revisits places in our life. If I could go and say in between places Mm -hmm. in our spiritual life, um, emotional life, he Mm -hmm. revisits them to bring redemption. And I know that if he can do that with a place like Shechem through the woman at the well, Think what he could do with our in-between places. Yes. Geography is so critically important in in the kingdom of God. And I honestly had never, like I said, connected Dinah with the woman at the well. And, And another beautiful thing that I unearthed when I was studying the woman at the well uh, for my book was that living water comes from that Greek root, ze- I know I will not say this properly, but zeo, Z-A-O. And that just means it's absolutely filled with everything we need to live an amazing, remarkable Ephesians 3.20 life. Yeah. And that's, that happened at that ordinary well. Mm-hmm in a place, a geographical space that had lots of bloodshed, mm-hmm. lots of trauma wounding, as we would now say it. Mm-hmm. And I, the point that you connected the geography of that and the fact that Jesus went out of his way mm-hmm. and to go through Samaria, a mm-hmm. place he wasn't welcomed to bring redemption, it's all I need to hear. Yeah. I mean, there's literally no place too far gone in our lives. There's no person too far off from where they wanted to go in life for Jesus not to enter in and rescue us. And you brought up the well, Janelle, and I think it's important that people go back and read that John chapter oh, four passage. Yes. Now thinking about Dinah, her voicelessness, Mm-hmm. Her trauma now see how redemptive Jesus's conversation is, but notice the question the woman at the well asks Jesus. She says, "Are you greater than our father Jacob?" Yes. And I think that question means a lot. Oh, I don't I think chills, it, man. I don't think it's just about the well and the water and the provision and the marriage. I think Jacob's response to Dinah's 
mm. abuse was wrong. Yes. And I think, I think when she asked that question, maybe it was kind of a loaded question. And that's when Jesus says, I'm the living water. I'm the I'm living water. I'm yes, the I am. out filled, you know? Yeah. Yes. And I think that you really hit on it. This woman at the well is probably very depleted in every oh. sense of the world. Oh, I can't. Yes. Yes. And I Jesus think- meets her need. And even meets the needs. Here's where I go all therapist on us, trauma-informed. He even meets the needs that she has no idea that she has because she has been traumatized for sure. And mm-hmm. once again, we know that trauma in the simplest the simplest of descriptions is any time that emotions are too big for our body. Mm-hmm. Anytime we're overwhelmed mm-hmm. in, a, in a situation that we have to disembody, we have to come outside of our body. And that's where our coping and our defense mechanisms kick in so that we can survive and that we can actually stand up straight. Hmm. And so I think this woman at the well, I mean, she, she just didn't even know. I do believe she was like, your, your two questions, how did I end up here? Mm-hmm. How did I end up here? And how do I make the most of I don't know if she'd say messy season, but how, what on earth do I do now? She was such an outcast mm-hmm. and the shame mm-hmm. over her, which comes hand in hand with trauma, mm-hmm. which came passing down through Jacob's lineage of the mm-hmm. lying and all of those things that, that were in that family lineage. Mm-hmm. I just think there were just so many, many, many things mm-hmm. that were redeemed. Yeah. I think it's layers. It's like the layers upon layers. Jesus went in and he redeemed a geographical place. He He redeemed ethnic uh, divisions in that place. He redeemed gender um, differences in that place. He Mm -hmm. overstepped marginalized people and elevated them. He did that redemption work. He entrusted a woman. I mean, he is just layers upon layers of him meeting the need of his culture, meeting the need of this individual, and then her impact on her city. He redeems that whole place through her. Mm -hmm. Many people come to saving faith in John chapter four. I know. Whereas, you know, everyone died in Dinah's chapter. And now we have everyone getting new life in the woman at the wells chapter. So I think even that is redemption that in a place, if you feel like there is death in your, in your family, in your soul, in your spiritual life, he can bring life and he does it through the living water. Oh guys, just got to take these pauses. They're sacred pauses. They're the silas that are in the Psalms that you have to just take a moment to soak it all in. God, just to, uh, I have two directions here. <laughs> I'll let you choose. <laughs> or you can just go down both. I'm very much, I feel like when you were sitting, sitting there listening in Israel, in that geographical space where God showed you this, this tremendous lineage between Dinah and the woman at the well. And then how did you connect that? to you. I know I've read your book and I want everyone to read your book, The In-Between Place, where Jesus changes your story. You had a really tough, and you do not have to go here. There's absolutely, 
I had a really tough hospital story. It's in my book, but it took my breath away Hmm. when I read your story. You do not have to share everything. Um, I'm going to give you the space and then I'll share the one sentence takeaway that changed my life literally when I read it. So this was a, this was, um, it's a tough in between place for you. Yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, it was the one year anniversary of my father's passing Mm. that I was in Israel making these connections, these two women and their in between places and how Jesus redeemed it. And I was so desperate for that redemption myself. My, Mm. I've had many in between places in career, in relationships, in friendships, very severe, but by far the hardest has been my dad's death by suicide. My father struggled with a lifetime of substance abuse and untreated mental illness. And I think he was a part of a generation potentially of men who did not work through trauma, like you just said. So Mm -hmm. they did not have healthy coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. They they did not understand their responses to trauma. Um, So I think he carried that with him and we watched him suffer and it was really hard. And he had a a back surgery that was a a failed back surgery and several of them that left him unable really to walk or be comfortable. It didn't matter what he was doing, sitting, laying down. He was always in a really high level of pain. And I think that really stole his will to live. And we could talk about, there are a lot of circumstances surrounding it that I think we're compounding that we should talk about more in our culture. I think we should talk more about our faith history, how we, why we value men. It should be outside of their provision or protection of their family. It should be that they're just made in the image of God. They are just, they have value, worth, and dignity. Exactly. Period. 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 Yes. I don't know that he felt that even though he loved mm-hmm. a new Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here I was, you know, moving my mom into our home, mm-hmm. managing my four-year-old son, my husband <sighs> in ministry, I'm running a ministry and it feels like the world's crashing in. And yes. I went on this trip in part to spend time with girlfriends, to learn about the word, to focus on women in the Bible. But I found myself in modern day Samaria, sensing that Jesus was coming close to me. Oh, I think it's just God led that he led you there, obviously. So I was, oh, it was such a gift. I mean, to, to move through this anniversary of sorts. Yes. On holy ground. On holy ground. Mm -hmm. So I was in an in-between place because I knew, I knew it wouldn't always hurt so bad. Mm -hmm. I knew it would always hurt. But it was pretty acute emotional pain, mm-hmm. uh, even a year after. It, I think my counselor and I worked through some of this, but I think oh, maybe I was in shock mm-hmm. much longer than people usually stay in shock. Mm-hmm. Just so much adrenaline. And then I'm an Enneagram eight. So you add in that. Like, oh, are you? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Wanting to protect. I get it. Mm-hmm. I go into go mode. Don't want to be vulnerable. No. Mm-mm. So I think I stayed in that for quite some time. And so writing the book wasn't, was a sacred act of vulnerability sharing. Most definitely. That it felt sense. really healthy to let the spirit bring this story out of me mm-hmm. while he's showing me the story of the woman at the well and reminding me it's safe to tell Jesus these hard things. And even though he knows it, he knew the woman at the well story. He would like to hear from my perspective. Mm-hmm. 
I love that you brought out that your father was a follower of Jesus, that he was a man of God. Mm-hmm. And that just, that, that brought to me uh, something that I'm so passionate about that I pound the table about is this spiritual bypassing that we mm-hmm. do in the modern Christian Christendom, I should say, or especially in the Western tradition that, you know, we oftentimes push aside understanding psychologically what's going on and just press through with our phrases, let it go, pray through it, Mm. get in the prayer line, prayer ministry, all, all essential, critically essential. Your husband is a pastor. I know you want, you know that. Mm-hmm. But I think the pivot point for me in my 50s was that I saw all of these, personally, all of these broken women, particularly, because that was where I did my most of my ministry and children. So I saw broken families. And I just, there was such a disconnect for me, Kat, that how are these people, followers of Jesus, who have been following him for decades, miserable? Yeah. In their marriages, their families are falling apart. Their children are falling apart. There's prodigals, sons and daughters. What? There was such a disconnect. And then I, I, God showed up for me like he did for you and, and drew me into an in-between place. And I went back to get my master's to get more equipment so that I could understand the psychology behind all of that and integrate psychology, spirituality, theology, all of that. And so I think for your father, what spoke to me so loud was that he probably did have PTSD Yeah. I know my dad did. Mm -hmm. I absolutely know he did. I absolutely know that they didn't know then what they know now. Mm -mm. You know, trauma study is only two decades old. You know, it used to be, don't poke the bear, don't wake the tiger. Now it's like, we can poke it. We can wake it because we now know the brain can be rewired. Yes. And, um, yeah, his body kept the score. (laughs) His body kept the score. For sure. And so I'm not going to press you any further, um, but what spoke to me, and please, please get Kat's book. I think that I know, I know because I know you, I know my community, many of you are in in in-between places, liminal spaces. And I know that I know uh, Kat shares more of that story in true vulnerability, which I now respect even more. I thought you were a five, but you're an eight. And of how you were, you had to be held up. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a very important part of being in the in-between place that healing doesn't happen in isolation. Healing happens in community. And we have seen the front lines of our hospital workers and our medical workers. I know them personally because having been in so many situations where I've needed them and you talk about the chaplains that showed up for you, the nurses that mm-hmm. showed up for you and held you, they mm-hmm. were your Moses and Aaron. You know, I mean, your Ur, oh, yes. Ur and Aaron, they, they were the ones. And so I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, your father tried to take his life, but in the wake of that, he took a lot of your heart with him. And so that was, uh, you needed a lot of healing in that respect. And so just, I thank you. I thank you for being vulnerable here with us today. And I know that that's going to speak to so many, anything else that you want to add to that? Yeah, I think you brought up a really important point. Something that I mentioned in the book. Oh, I may not have Janelle is that I remember at his funeral, 
mm-hmm. that he had a small group and oh, they were just completely unaware of his struggles yes. with depression. <sighs> right. Completely. Which was so, it made me angry. It made me yes. sad. It made me frustrated. Meanwhile, I had people that really knew everything that was going on and it took pastoral counseling, a licensed professional counselor, a spiritual director, my two small groups, my accountability partner, my praying friend, you know, it took all, when it say they take the village, it it took a village for me to work through this. And I think we all need that permission. And I'm so very grateful that Jesus meets us in our in-between places, Mm -hmm. but then sends us back out to share our stories. And this is what we see in the woman of the well. It is. I know. She, her story is so broken. You know, the way she shares the gospel to her town, could this be the Messiah? I know. I don't, so it's almost could like it she's processing her faith, you know, and I felt permission reading her story to start processing the questions I was asking about my dad, about faith, about death, about grief. Yeah. Um, it really all came together. So thank you for mentioning that. Oh my goodness. Well, I I just related so much on so, so many reasons. You write on page 100 in the chapter, Stop Showing Up for Yourself. I just love the name of that chapter. (laughs) You write, I think Christ's point to the Samaritan woman in John 4 is that we need living water to make up for all the cracks in our character and gaps in our in-between places. Implied in the living water lesson is that we need a constant source of renewable water because we are broken cisterns. The good news is that when we can't show up for ourselves and it feels like no one is able to get into the crevices of our in-between places, Jesus will always show up for us. We can count on his presence always. Okay. What on earth did you mean by stop showing up for yourself? I also, oh, okay. Just bear with me. I can't go beyond what you just said about the small group that your dad, I I just can't. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be brave and I'm going to be courageous right now and, and just go here because that is why I do what I do. Yeah. And I know that it's why you do what you do. And that's why I think I'm so drawn. I I, I just, I I honestly wish I could just put our two books together. (laughs) I really do. And I can just bring on the mental health part because you teach the scripture so profoundly and so well for just, just so well. And I think that the community of faith is just lacking so Mm-hmm. It's not that the people in that small group did not care, did not love, of did not, not pray, right. did not, but they're just not equipped. Nope. We just, I didn't have the tools. Nope. I had to go back and get those tools and study. Mm-hmm. And now I want to just, I would love to just stand out at the front lobby of every church in this country and hand out an emotional health toolbox. <laughs> just, I can see yeah. it. I can see them. Some are red, some are pink, some are blue. I don't know, whatever. But just do that so that small groups are equipped mm-hmm. and have the capacity to at least identify. But we're all mm-hmm. so really good at at spiritual bypassing, and we're so good mm-hmm. at masking, and now we're wearing masks. So mm-hmm. here we go. So I just had to get that off. 
I'm so glad you did. <laughs> I just had to. I, I like it. I want doors to open for more conversations that are real and raw. And I've been scared mm-hmm. to go through them myself, Kat. Mm-hmm. So you're just, you're giving me courage. And I thank you for that. But we need to be educated and, and empowered about mental and emotional health. And uh, that will inform us spiritually so that we can then access the living water. Yeah. And I think that in my feeling, I feel like that's what Jesus did mm-hmm. when he healed somebody. He's the master healer. So I feel like he offered her that Zeo filled living water. And in that living water was trauma informed information that just went into and washed her subconscious clean. Mm-hmm. And she was free. I feel mm-hmm. like he did that to the man at the pool of Bethesda. Pick yes. up your mat, go whoosh. Yep. But in his authority, in his ministry, in his anointing, when he spoke the words of, of healing, they were endowed. Mm-hmm. They were endowed with everything needed to heal. So how do I stop showing up for myself, Miss Cat? Because I do it really well. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do too. Man, I really I love bet you do. self-reliance. <laughs> you really love some independence. I do. It's hard to fight against it, especially in a culture that really values the bootstrapping, you know, an independent person. You know, what I want to be so clear about, and I know your community is already going to be so well-versed, but just in case someone's jumped on to mm-hmm. listen, yes. um, that's in my community, I just want to be really clear that not stopping showing up for yourself does not mean that we don't prioritize self-care. You've got to right. take care of yourself. That's you what I love. Pri- you mm-hmm. have to prioritize yourself. Okay. So I'm not against those things um, at all. Um, but what I, I do think they have their limit. So I think they have a capacity to help, but then there's a limitation on it. And Jesus doesn't have that limitation. It does not. And he even tells her, if you knew the living water that I'm offering you, you would ask me for a drink. And yes. if you knew what this living water was like and that it's the, the renewable resource you need in such a broken life and such a broken past, that no matter how much water seeps out of you and help seeps out of you and self-care seeps out of you, he is going to keep replenishing and, yeah. and refilling you with his mm-hmm. presence that will never go away. And it's inexhaustible. And so the point I'm trying to make in that chapter is that if we feel like we are battered pottery, that we've been beat up by life and we've got all these places where things seep out, Jesus is that renewable water that we need. And Mm -hmm. so we don't have to depend on just showing up for ourselves. We, and some of us may need to stop for a moment, trying so hard to fix ourselves. <sighs> Again, I, this is coming from the girl who reads a lot of self-help books. I've got a whole <laughs> corner, right. Of Diane Landberg and all of the, oh. like, you know, I've got a whole yes. corner, you know, the body keeps score and all these, cause I'm trying to understand how to move forward from mm-hmm. my in-between place. Um, but they, they just don't compare to Jesus. No, no. You write this as well. This is on page 107. So when you're holding Kat's book, one of the ways Jesus changes our stories and our in-between places is not by handing us a shovel and pointing to a place to dig a cistern in the ground. Kat is alluding here to Jeremiah, story of the cistern in Jeremiah. So you can just BibleGateway.com that and look that up. (laughs) And when you get her book, you'll read all about it more. 
Jesus shows up and dares us to ask him for a drink. That was the line that stopped my heart. I hadn't caught it before. How is that possible? I spent <laughs> at least three years sitting next to this woman at the well. And I was like, man, I love it. I just love it. Cause that's that Zayo filled living water. He mm-hmm. just keeps, it just keeps showing up. Jesus shows up, lean in here. This is our lean in moment today. You guys, Jesus shows up and dares us to ask him for a drink. I double dog dare you. <laughs> I thought this is truth or dare time. Mm. This is a good dare. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. dares her. Ask mm-hmm. me for a drink to let him be our well. Mm-hmm. If your broken self has trouble supplying your every need, oh boy, oh boy, mm. it's because you are on a fool's errand. Just preach it, girl. You were preaching here. <laughs> you were flat out being the preacher girl we know. <laughs> I just love it. Stop trying to show up for yourself. Jesus does that best. Okay. Can you just give us one empowering action step to stop showing up for ourselves? Because I know what you mean. I've read the book. I want mm -hmm. you to share it. Yeah. The takeaway I would give is to take out a piece of paper and make a T-chart, draw a line across and a line down the middle, make two columns. And in one column, write down all the healthy coping mechanisms and unhealthy coping mechanisms Mm. that you utilize to cope in life. Maybe write out all the self-care things that you do. So I would probably write out manicure before COVID, um, massage before co- all sorts, all sorts of things. I would make a list of here are some of the things, deep diaphragmatic breathing, yes. yoga. I do, I do all sorts of things, Tr- okay. chugging water, pretending I'm a plant. Did I get enough sleep <laughs> and sunlight and water? Right. You know, like all <laughs> these a plant. hugging a tree. Hugging, <laughs> right. So all of these, I would write them all down in one column healthy or unhealthy, what are all the things you kind of lean on your go-to to support yeah. you? Too much caffeine, too much wine. Yes, yeah, whatever. absolutely. Whatever your pick-me-up is, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Is it a phone call? Is it a person you text message? Is it, is it a site that you visit that you shouldn't be on? Is yes. it a social media platform that you, you, as soon as something hard happens, you pick it up and it's yeah. instinctual, whatever those things are, make a list mm-hmm. and it's okay. Whether it's good or bad, just yeah, honesty, total honesty, because can, Jesus knows anyway. He does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I think in that right column, then you write, Jesus is better. Mm. Just over and over and over and over. And not to spiritual bypass the value that these things bring to our lives or right. that we need to move forward from them and break free from them. But rather just to remind ourselves, sometimes we forget Jesus is better than Instagram. Oh Jesus my gosh, that's the is name better than a picture. <laughs> He's better. He's so much better. He's so much better. But, you know, like I'm making light of it, but no, we are serious. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know it up here, but it's got to travel down here. And I have to be reminded that, okay, I'm using all these things to show up for myself. You know, who's already here. He suffers no compassion fatigue. He doesn't get weary of my prayer requests. This man, Jesus. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> I want to scream. I'm so excited. You know how passionate I get. <laughs> I'm saying lately, calm is highly underrated. It can be calm. 
But Kat just spoke about that head to heart journey, which I write a lot about. That's why I want to put our books Mm -hmm. on them to have book babies. Mm -hmm. Um, That head to heart journey. And I believe that's where we make the bypass. Mm -hmm. It's a very long journey from Mm -hmm. our, our, our head to our heart. And I think lots of us who follow Jesus have all the head knowledge, but it's not made its way down to our heart. Mm-hmm. And when you said, when you said um, that this column and that column, right, all your unhealthy, all I could see was the word dead. Mm. It was like D-E-D, D-E-D-E-A-D. I can spell. I taught first grade. D-E-A-D. Dead and living. Mm. It's like, I'm going to make, that's going to be my chart. Yeah. Because and that was an epiphany for me. I'm very, I, I share a lot about getting everyday epiphanies as a way to uh, come out of your depression or anxiety is just to be awake and go, oh my gosh, what's going to come around in my path today? What surprise is there? Am I going to see that will just show me that God's near me? That's a way that I stopped showing up for myself and started showing up for God to show up mm-hmm. was opening my hands, opening my eyes first thing in the morning and going, okay, God, take my breath away. Take my mm-hmm. breath away today. I've got my eyes open, my ears open, and my heart open, mm-hmm. wide open. I'm going to be on the hunt. I'm going to be on a treasure hunt. And so I just saw dead over here. And I thought, wow, I run to dead places. Hmm. I run to empty, like the wells, the three wells that are in the beautiful story in Genesis of Isaac. He goes mm-hmm. in and enters into trying to find a well where he can camp everybody out. And there are three wells. And the first one's like Etna. I can't even remember. I did a big study, but one means malice, envy. One Mm -hmm. means evil. And then he gets to the well of Rehoboth. Yeah. And that means freedom. Mm -hmm. So maybe you have gone to this well and that well. And they just keep filling up with the, the enemy just keeps filling them up with dirt because they're, they're of no value. Just keep searching my friend, because you're going to come to Jesus hmm. and his Zeo filled w- water. And that's going to be living water. That's so good. Mm. Okay. So you have that assignment. That is your homework. <laughs> go do it. Go work go, on it. Go on. So Kat, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're at the end of our time. And I, I just know we didn't want... even get to talk about Henrietta Mears. No, we're going to talk about Henrietta right okay. now because I'll just, I think we'll forget. And then I want to go on to I another. Because I have a new, a, a whole new biography. Did you write that? No, but I I want to read it. It oh, is where is that? It's Nazi? brand new. It's called Mother of Modern Evangelicalism, The Life and Legacy of Henrietta Mears oh. by Arlen. I'll send you the link. Oh, I will. I can't, I haven't started it, but I'm so excited. Heartlifters. When I was um, looking at Kat's materials and her Instagram and all of these things, I found her shouting out this it's international women's history month. So this is Uh extremely appropriate. She shouted out Henrietta Mears. And I mean, you can just, Henrietta was like my girl. Mm -hmm. I'm quite a bit older than you, but back in the day, she had a book called dream big. It was her, mm. it was her biography and her autobiography. can't remember at this point. Cause it was a long time ago. And I, 
was a children's minister at that time. I had one little baby and I just found this woman and she literally changed my life. Here are just two of her quotes. Now, these are just two of this woman's wisdom. You teach a little by what you say. Hmm. You teach most by what you are. Yeah. Yeah. More is caught than taught. There is no magic in small plans, Kat. This is Henrietta, man. This is her. There's no magic in small plans. This is a woman who never got married and never had children. And Mm -hmm. she founded Gospel Light, which, and the National Sunday School Association. She just Mm -hmm. kicked butt. She was literally a bad, Mm -hmm. you know, she was. There is no magic in small plans. When I consider my ministry, I think of the world. Yeah. Anything less than that would not be worthy of Christ nor his will for my life. (laughs) That leads me to you talk about another woman, another incredible woman, Dr. Norfleet Mm -hmm. in your chapter. No woman is an island. Mm -hmm. And you got to get this book guys. Page 123. I want small groups. I want you guys to be doing this book, book clubs. So good. You talk about her research and study on the woman at the well and what encouragement we can take away from her story today as we all continue living into our God-breathed identity and our capacities and become stronger every day. So what did Dr. Norfleet leave with you? And you can add a little word about Henrietta if you want to. Oh, well, yes, Henrietta Mears. <laughs> Henrietta. I mean, it's like a spider web with her. Henrietta Mears is kind of at the center and out from her is this web of influence. So, you know, you've got Young Life Ministry, yes, Campus Crusade, right. Navigators, and Billy yes. Graham Crusade, all four of those founders, all four of those men saying it was those her men. Sunday school teaching as a Sunday school teacher or, I mean, even Billy Graham credits her for shaping his faith. I can't even the, handle it. Like the global impact, it was, it's just insane. You know, in addition to her thousands of people in her Sunday school classes and all the yeah. resources she created and the, and the radio and the curriculum and that all of it, she was still converting people. And she lived in Hollywood, California. Oh, she, yeah, she was on staff at Presbyterian Hollywood there for forever as the Christian, you know, education director and um, she suffered no fools. She wasn't a bulldozer, no but she was considered such an equal. And I would say she was, she was a thought leader uh, before that was, you know, before that was, and she was a trailblazer. And so I'm with you. <laughs> I spent almost a year using her in illustrations and the sermons that I would preach yes. around the nation, just to tell women, look, we, our faith legacy is so rich in the scriptures, so we, rich, revolutionary female figures from Genesis to revelation. And then we have these, you know, early church women that I talk about, but then Henrietta Mears, we, she just, people don't know who she is, but they, they know, to. they know Bill Bright. They know yes. and Dawson Trotter. They know Billy Graham's name. And we need to remember that sometimes our name will never make it in lights, mm. but our impact, you know, we're all about the gospel. Um, you'd asked about Dr. Norfleet Day, yes. a really cool story. So I went to Dallas Seminary Library to look up every commentary written on the one with the well and this red bound dissertation stuck out to me because it was red and I read it from cover to cover and resisted underlining and tabbing because it was a library book and returned it. And then I went to buy it because I needed it for my research. You know, it was $150. So I got in contact with Dr. Day and emailed her. Didn't. 
and just said, I know this sounds crazy, but your dissertation from 1987 was so, it's the, one of the best I've read on the woman at the well. And she said, well, I have an extra copy. I can mail it to you. <gasps> oh, this is just, I'm, I might have to call this episode the chill factor. I don't know. She's so great. She's so great. She's retired now. She used to be at Beeson Divinity School mm-hmm. and um, was a professor. She's done great work in research, but she showed me how marginalized the woman at the well was. So I had always just mm-hmm. envisioned that she was like a salty mouth, scantily yes. clad. Prostitute. Yes. Type. Yes. All of this stuff. And Dr. Norfleet Day just showed me how Jesus's conversation with her is not like this wagging his it's finger. Not shaming. No He's shame. not shaming her when he asks her to go and call her husband and then says, you, I know you're not living with your husband. You've been married five times and the man you're living with now isn't, you know, I know all that. I think what he's communicating is he, he knows how hard her life has been and what she's had to do to survive her trauma. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Norfleet day was just really brought out to me how marginalized she would have been. She would have been older if she had been married five mm-hmm. times. Women yeah. were really only valued, um, for being able to bear a, a male child. And so it's there. We don't know. We don't know for sure, but it's very likely that she suffered from infertility, right. that she maybe was a widow multiple times over whatever her situation. It was hard. And Dr. Norfleet day really showed me that she was marrying several times over to survive to and survive. Yes. Women could not be an Island then. Oh, in her culture. No. I don't think women can be islands now, even though we don't need quote a man to provide for us in our day and time. Right. Our lives are really different. But I think Dr. Norfleet Day's research showed me how much we need each other. Yes. Yes. And you talk a lot and I talk a lot in my book. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is so fascinating to me. I just love it. I'm trying to find the quote and I'm going to find it. So just, just disregard all of the ways here it is over here that I'm moving papers around about thresholds cat. And I will, I'm promising we will close threshold. Let me read what that means. The point at which a physiological or psychological effect begins to be produced. The place or point of entering or beginning. It can be a gate. It can be a door. Comes from that root of threshold. Of thresh, I mean. And thresh, we know, threshing, if we know anything about threshing in the Old Testament and the New, to separate the seed, the wheat from the grain. So it's a, it's not the most comfortable of places for the little plants, I don't <laughs> think. And then of liminal spaces, places between destinations that aren't meant to be existed in as much as passed through. And when you look at the root of liminal, it comes from lemons, meaning not lemons, but lemons threshold. So we are here today celebrating Kat, celebrating myself, celebrating Henrietta Mears and Dr. Norfleet Day and all of these amazing the woman at the well, Dinah, 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 thank mm-hmm. you. All of these amazing women of faith, named, unnamed, known, unknown. And they are calling back to us today. They're calling back to you and they're calling back to me. 
to take a sit, take a sit down, take a sit down today somewhere. I wouldn't be able to find a well anywhere around me. Find somewhere to sit and open your eyes, your heart, your ears to this Jesus. I pray you have a Jesus encounter mm-hmm. and he meets you in your in-between place and that you, my dear friend, Kat's new friend, will then go back to your community, to your household, filled, filled with living water that never runs dry. Mm. Kat, it's been an honor. Thank you so much. Thank so you much for fun. speaking, <laughs> for speaking to us. Any final words before I close? Mm, Jesus just loves you so much, so mm. much. Yeah. And you, my dear heartlifters, you are clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear because you can smile at your future. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.